Hey, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Two Truths and a Lie on the Handshake Media Network. I'm your host, Uppy Chatterjee, and this week I've got Miami Horror's Ben Plant in the studio, fresh off a little break from touring, and they're back with a third album next year and a new single as well, Love Is Not Enough. How are you, Ben? What's going on? Pretty good. Um, just got back from a whole US tour that's been really well received kind of we have this new been doing this new six-piece show and I was a bit worried about how it was going to come out but it kind of came out really amazing and super happy and yeah just now about to take some time off for Christmas and stuff. You spending Christmas Christmas at home? Yeah nearly we live in LA most well when I say we I mean me and Dan from the band Mm -hmm. and um some of the other guys that are locals but yeah we we live in LA so we end up coming back to Australia um, every summer for about three months. Um, yeah. Yeah, nice. And just see family and friends, you know, the usual. The usual, the barbecues, the beach visits. Yeah. So um, so what can we expect from the new album? Like, what's the vibe? Because I read that you guys were actually inspired by your own debut album, Illumination, <laughs> for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could actually say that. I, I, I wouldn't have said inspired by it, but... I think it, in a in a way we were because mm. uh, I hadn't heard it for so long. So I was just at a friend's house and I was kind of – I'd already gone through this phase of trying to reset why I do music and what I get out of it and why I got into it in the first place. And um, he started playing that and I was like, hang on, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> You're like, damn, this is good. Uh, uh, after years of, you know, feeling a certain way about it, thinking that I didn't really know what I was doing back then, which is true. Um, but seeing that naivety and like mm. how hard I worked to create a certain experience and a vibe and all that. So, um, yeah, that was inspiring to kind of remind me of why, you know, why it all started. And um, I really saw like a unique feeling and mood in that album that yeah. I wanted to, that, that is like very true to me. And I've, yeah, so I'm kind of inspired to bring that back a lot. Um, Yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, like, you you guys, Miami Horror started out live in, like, the glory years of Australian electronic kind of indie rock, I feel. Like, the presets, cut, copy, Vanshee, you guys, Bag Raiders, you know, you're on, like, every big day out bill and, like, all over the radio. Um, But... You know, the scene's pretty different now. How do you think it's the Aussie industry's changed since then? Um, I feel like there's less of a scene as such. Like there's a real movement back then. Um, mm. there's, obviously, there's obviously scenes, but they're a little bit more, I don't know, they don't, they don't seem to have the energy that they had then because there was mm. a, a lot of different acts from all around the world and, with a lot of variety, but it, it kind of tied into this one thing yeah. and everyone was just, just so excited about it. And, um, you know, you didn't have these issues with the lockout laws and all, all these little mm. details. Politics wasn't a big thing, you know, we're focusing so much on politics and political correctness and changes that we need to make, mm. um, that people like are a little bit less free living and which, you know, is a great thing, but it's also, um, yeah, you can really see the contrast and energy of how people back then just were quite naive and um, it was all about just having fun. And, I guess it was like a simpler yeah. time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like I guess it boils down to that. Now we're all like worried about, you know, 
Well, we didn't even have social media, really. Yeah, yeah, totally. To a certain degree, yeah. Super different to then. Anyway, let's get started with your story. So what's your first truth, Ben? Um, so my first truth is that I got onto the Falls Festival stage probably several times before I ever played there. <laughs> um, and at those times, I never really... I never knew I was going to play there, but I seemed to have this strange drive to prove my friends right that I was going to get on this stage. And um, I think the main stage, the main stage, far out, big dreams. Um, Yeah, and I I don't know what that was about. Whether it was just about a thrill, or whether it was about attention, or I I can't quite figure it out. But I think there's something there that related to the same reasons why I would want to get into music. Mm. Um, But so I told them, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get up on that stage. You just, you guys just watch. <laughs> watch me. So what year was this, sorry? Um, this would have been probably about 2004 or okay. five or something. Yeah. Um, and it's like when I could first go there. Or yeah. Maybe so 2006, like something like that. 16, 18 and, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And I went around to the side of the fence. I was looking for a kind of a gap or some kind of way in. Mm. And I found a part behind a tree. That kind of like enters the backstage. Climbed over it, walked around. Of course, nobody's really batting an eye because um, once you're in there, you know you're kind of mm. considered backstage. So, um, and my heart was racing, and the countdown was about to happen in maybe like 45 seconds. So I timed it really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ran up on the stage as they were counting down: nine, five, four, three, two, one. Um, Right out in front of the dance. I think it was the Dandy Warhols. (laughs) So they did the countdown and I I stood there. I think maybe the first year was a little bit more calmer. So I actually did this twice. Um, The first year I was, yeah, I was waving a torch around trying to get my friend's attention. On stage? Um, Yes, on stage. And some guy eventually came up and was like, what are you doing and who the fuck are you, you know? (laughs) But I, I had a good 20 seconds while I was up there. <laughs> they took me off. I go back to my friends. They kick me out. I almost obviously got my pass taken off me. Yeah. Um, and I found my friends and they didn't see it. And so <laughs> I was really... All that for nothing. Yeah, I was like, damn, that was a really st- stressful experience. <laughs> um, but what a thrill. So the next year we go back and I tell them, okay, this time you have to watch. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And, Don't look away. Uh, that, yeah. And that was when I ran out right in front of the stage, right up to the front in front of the lead singer of whatever band it was. I think that might have been the Dandy Warhols here. Okay. And um, I just with two arms waved and jumped around <laughs> and, until somebody pulled me off and a security guard almost beat me up and uh, threw me back out into the crowd. But that was fine. I got away unscathed again. Um, they all saw it and it was a great story. And it was on, yeah, that was one of the shots they used on the news for New Year's Eve or something like that. Some loony um, waving his arms in the middle of the stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so then like three or four years later, we end up doing the countdown there. That's um, wild. As, as Miami Horror, yeah. How funny, how funny would it be if like Secret Sounds, the Falls promoter was like, they recognized you and you were blacklisted and they were like, sorry, oh like God. Miami Horror can't play because you actually fucked yourself back like um, four years ago. It, w- it would, I mean, I don't think they would ever recognize you, but it wouldn't surprise me if 
somehow now I fuck myself over by telling you this story. <laughs> no <laughs> you know, more. Festi- festivals are very, you know, adamant about those things. But I would argue argue that, you know, I was just a kid. You're a kid, yeah. And you've yeah, more than redeemed yourself, I think. Yeah, it's a good 10 years ago. I love that. So um, which um, which Falls Fest was this? This is Melbourne, where we I grew up in Melbourne. So Lawn? Yeah. Yeah. So is um is New Year's Eve like the the middle day or is it the last day? Like did you end up screwing yourself out of the last day of the festival or Oh, well, I didn't get kicked out of the actual festival. Oh, good. I got kicked, yeah, yeah, I got kicked out of the backstage area. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that's fine. But I've since been into that backstage area many times. Legally. <laughs> yeah. Legally. <laughs> Love um, it. That's sick. Okay. What's your second story? So the second story is a tour story. Another, well, yeah, more of a tour story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we go to South America a lot. We do a lot of international gigs, gigs kind of more so than Australia these days. And mm. so a lot of our stories end up being down there. And um, Colombia, there was this one story where after a gig, we we're all hanging out with some friends we have there and, we went to a house party quite far away from where we're staying mm-hmm. and um, I ended up making out with a girl and we decided that on the way home I had no way – I had no idea where to go, how to get how to get back to the hotel. Mm. So I'd stay at her house yeah. and um, it was about 4 or 5 a.m. and I knew it was going to be sunny, uh, light soon, so I just wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. And um, I wasn't very interested in doing anything, anything like that. Kind but of just we, using her for the for the room. <laughs> I think it, I think it was close to that point. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and we're making out, but yeah. <laughs> You're I, like, I, I don't care. I just need a place to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we go from the party, and it's it's, it's kind of like mildly light, um, and we reach this street that is just like photocopy cookie cutter apartment buildings, mm. very very cheap looking, just rows and rows and rows of the same building. So that was already kind of an eerie feeling because I've never been in a place like that in my life. Yeah. So it kind of already felt a little bit sketchy. Which Colombian um, city is this? Bogota. Yeah, right. Okay. So we so we go into an apartment and we lay down and we start going to sleep. Um, I'm just in my boxes, nothing sus, just, you know, that's mm. how you sleep. Yep. And uh, within about 20 minutes – somebody starts pounding on the door really, really crazy. Yeah. And uh, as loud as you can imagine, just boom, bang, 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 bang. And they have this buzzer. Their, their doorbell is like the most irritating buzzer sound you can hear. And yeah. it's, it echoes through the apartment. Just and he's just holding it down. Oh, insane. 20, 30 seconds without letting go. Um, and also I forgot to say when we entered her apartment, there was an, she had this little knife on the side table right next to the door, you know, which which was, yeah, I thought that was a little weird. It's like keys, wallet, (laughs) knife. Knife, exactly. And it didn't look like a kitchen knife. It looked like kind of a weird something else. Yeah. Um, And so she's just like, don't worry, it's just my friend. And I'm like, oh my God, when will they shut up? You know, Mm. I got to go to, got to get some sleep. Probably like five, six AM or something. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was light by that point. So, mm. you know, I'm really 
really loving life. Yeah. And um, she, yeah, she just tells me to be quiet and don't move. And if they don't know we're here, he'll go. We'll be all fine. Um, so then she starts getting phone calls from him. Oh, my God. And she hangs up and he goes away. Then we hear all this commotion outside and he's trying to climb up the build, climb up the apartment building to get into the apartment somehow, like from the outside. We're on the, we're on the second floor of a like 20 level building. (laughs) So, so by this point I say, okay, what's going on? Like, this is, is this like your boyfriend or something? Mm. And she said, yeah, yeah, it's my, my ex. You know, he sometimes comes around here and climbs the wall. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, this is fucked. There's like security guards screaming at him. He climbs on a van to try to jump up. What? And he ends up, he ends up falling on its windscreen and smashing the windscreen. <gasps> so they're all the security And you're like watching out the window? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, yeah, I'm watching out the window. And I'm thinking like, is there a place I can hide in here? Because... I was like, just tell him the truth, you know, like I'm just staying over. We didn't do anything. Yeah. Is, but then we're like, it's been, you know, it's been 15, 20 minutes of, of this buzzer and calls and banging on the door. And I was like, it's going to seem really suspicious if I'm just sitting on the couch suddenly when he comes in. Yeah. You know, it's going to look like we're hiding something. Mm. So uh, we just go along with the fact we're going to have to continue to pretend we're not there. Um, and so he came back up and continued smashing on the door and I'm like, okay, this is not good. I'm trying to like put my pants on without coins falling out because if he comes through that door and I've got no pants on, yeah, it's going to, you know, and I'm imagining this huge psycho Colombian guy as you would. Yeah. Um, and it actually turned out to be just the guy that I'd met the night before because we were all hanging, you know, big group of friends. Okay. Just a skinny, skinny kind of indie guy. <laughs> so it was, it was far less horrifying than I thought. I was genuinely thought he was going to run in and stab me. What the hell was he doing? Uh, he. So it turns out they were exes, but they had a kid together, and the kid was at the mum's or something. And um, basically, he goes downstairs again for the second time. And at that point, I run up the stairs. He hasn't seen me yet. So I run up the stairs and I'm like, you answer the door next time he comes back and I'll be hiding. Yeah. So I go up the stairs and the security and like police come and they find me and they think that I'm the guy doing it (laughs) because people have called the police. So I start trying to explain to them, you know, without them speaking proper English, that it's not me, it's not me. We've got to go help this girl. So we go down there to save her. She opens the door and he's in there with her. You're and like he gonna looks switch at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, oh my God, okay, this is fucking weird. I'm just gonna go downstairs now. Goodbye. And I wait downstairs. He comes running down the stairs a minute later. And, and he, he says, recognizes hey, you? you as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He came to the gig and everything. So of course he's like, What are you doing in this building? And I'm like, Oh, my friend lives up the top level and I just heard some noise. I was just leaving and he's like, which friend? And I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, I know that you fucked my wife. Oh my And God. I go, and I go, no, I didn't. Like nothing happened. I was just staying there. Um, 
And he goes, she told me. She told me she fucked <gasps> up. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't. Like, I said, I know she didn't tell you that, man, because it didn't happen. And so he tells all the, the staff and all the people of this parlor building that I fucked his wife. Oh, God. And she cheated on him with me. And so they're all staring at me like I'm this evil person. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, how do I get a taxi? You know, can I get out of here? And um, they're just like not being helpful because they think I've done this ridiculous thing. Yeah. And they don't want you to get away. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, I finally get away and I go home to the hotel and he, I, you know, he sends me this rant random uh, message on Facebook, you're a liar, an awful liar, you fucked the mother of my child, you ruined our Aww. lives, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm telling him again, no, man, I'm not lying, it's all good, like, just chill out. His name is Philippe. <laughs> so then I get this call from the, the promoter of the festival that we played at, who is also called Philippe, but I didn't know Basically, I answered, answered the phone in my hotel room. Like, I'm scared this guy's going to come and kill me with yeah. all his friends or something, you know? And um, I get this call and it, it goes, hello, it's Philippe. <laughs> and I'm like, no. You shut your pants. Yeah, and it turned out to be the promoter, not him. Um, but, yeah, it was one of the most scary moments in my life. I definitely thought I was in imminent danger of death. And every time I went back there for a while, I was worried he was going to be at the stage with a gun ready to get me. That um, sounds like an episode of some crazy soapy. That's absolutely <laughs> wild. So wait, did yeah. you find out whether she lied to him about you? Like, so, No, I, I found out from mutual friends that they're not together. He was kind of trying to exaggerate it, you know, yeah. make me feel guilty. Yeah. And that they, they often both show up at each other's house drunk um, in the middle of the night trying to catch them out with somebody else, you know, like oh, full dear. jealousy style. And so that's, you know, a common problem with them. <laughs> so wrong person to get involved with, but yeah. no, no, no big deal. And I think they did have a kid together or something. They were only like, you know, we're all like 25 or 26 or something. So... Wow, um, capital D drama. Yeah, um, but great story that I live to tell the tale of. Yeah, great story. What did the rest of the band say when you told them? Um, I can't quite remember. I'm assuming there was a lot of laughing and <laughs> yeah. what the hell. Um, I was yeah, I was scared that it was going to come back to yeah. get me at some point. Yeah, totally. And yeah. The, the funny, the craziest thing is about all this is that I didn't even do anything. You know? Yeah, yeah. You weren't actually, <laughs> and, uh, though, like, you weren't guilty for anything. No, but so much trouble came from it. Anyway. That is insane. That is a great story. Great party story as well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. All right. What's your lie, your truth lie? Well, it's it's more of a, I guess, reputation or something. Somebody heard about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I still am going to get to the bottom of it and figure out where it came from. But the other, last week, my dad said to me something about, um, me being a magic mushroom dealer in high school. Okay. (laughs) Which of course was a little confronting at the dinner table with my friends over and, you know, and I was like, 
um, excuse me, where did this come from? And did he say it like in a like an like a accusatory way, or he was like, "I know you were a mushroom well, dealer," or was he like, "You were a mushroom yeah. dealer"? <laughs> I can't remember why it came up. I think I said something about we we're talking about liking mushrooms or something, and he said, "Yeah, you like mushrooms, don't you, Ben?" <laughs> I, I I know how you were a magic mushroom dealer back in the day in school, and I was like, and I didn't even go red. I was like, what? I kept my cool, and I was like. Dad, that is not true. I had, I had heard that before from somebody and I can't remember who it was. Okay. Um, but the thing is there was truth to it. Mm. So I can see where the story came from. Um, and so it was actually that I did kind of have this obsession with finding magic mushrooms um, in my teenage years because I had discovered that they were um, – grew naturally in our suburb okay. from this weird, weird document I found on the internet from an archive called natural highs FAQ, like yeah. frequently asked questions yeah. um, from a BBS message board in the late eighties or early nineties um, that yeah, had been archived on this website uh-huh. that I was just tra- trawling through. And so the fact that I found that and was related to Australia and this, on this American website, Oh, really intrigued me. Yeah. And, um, you know, had a list of all these naturally occurring plants in Australia that you can get high from. And I just went through and read that. And I just, I had a lot of time after school in the library. So that's kind of how this all started. Mm. And um, I ended up looking at books, mushroom books, and just being like, oh, okay, I'm finding this mushroom species that supposedly grows in Eltham where I grew up. Yeah. Um, it's so I had this fascinating in the stuff. Well, to know that it's like, it's kind of like a treasure. Yeah, you know? yeah, fully. You're, you're looking for this little weird secret. little thing. Yeah, secret that if you were to eat, mm. transports you to this other <laughs> worldly thing, you know. And yeah. this Eltham, this suburb that I grew up in is a very like arty um, kind of suburb in the 70s. Lots of architecture, like wood, bluestone. Oh, cool, um, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's Monsulvat down there, which is like, a Mediterranean kind of like medieval thing this guy built. It's like a whole oh. village. And um, it all backs onto this river that floods. So it's a very like wet kind of area. Mm. And I think that's kind of what made it very lie. viable for these for these mushrooms. And um, so I had this in my head and I always kept an eye out when we did outdoor ed where we'd go on walks around, um, you know, just around the suburbs and yeah. take learn about geography and stuff. And I would always pick little mushrooms, seeing if they were the one. And I once found this, like, kind of dying one, and I wasn't sure. And that was, like, the end of winter, and it was my first, like, hmm, maybe they do really exist here. Mm. I'm going to, you know, going to look look for this more. And I started dreaming about magic mushrooms or <laughs> any any type of mushroom that, like, went blue. I would honestly have, like, two dreams about it a week for a year straight. Wow. And it, it became this really weird, like uh, – psychological psychoactive experience without even Taking having them. seen yeah and um so I, I had also seen this batch kind of in the, the school that was like going black and I, I was like I wonder if that was magic mushrooms so the next year I look back at the same spot which is the science courtyard mm. and I find three or four just growing in there and I'm like holy shit this is crazy like in my school of all places <laughs> What do they look like? And, 
they're just these little brown ones, and when you touch them, they kind of um, start to bruise blue. Oh, wow. And, yeah, they kind of start, like, very... Inconspicuous. Oh, 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 no, almost, like, penis-shaped. And then, okay. then then the thing spreads out into a full mushroom. I mean, I think that's how all mushrooms probably grow, but yeah. um, the, the way that it was, like, golden, it was very obvious. Like, it, it's a very specific one. Yeah, okay. And... Um, so I ran around like on my period off and I was like tapping on the classroom window of my friend trying to show him about this thing that I found after talking about it for a year. So I have this idea and I go look behind the hall, the school hall where I know there's like lots of um, tan bark and this huge open area where nobody goes. And I couldn't believe my eyes. They were rat packed back to back, like oh. hundreds, hundreds, like a sea of magic mushrooms. Oh my god! It was, yeah, it was crazy, and some massive ones, like probably like two inches across, which is really, really big for the this That's kind of species. Huge, yeah, yeah, like they were big, and they're like four inches high. Um, and so it was, it was just like this phenomenal experience, and the discovery, the a, holy grail. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that, you know, like this weird, mysterious. It just, it just really fit the atmosphere of the summer. Yeah, totally get it. So we have a ba- we take a bag of them just for fun, and I guess we're going to maybe take them home and dry them. I didn't know what we we're going to do. All I knew is we had the treasure, mm. and uh, we're walking through. We're so excited by it that we, we walked through like the the local park. Um, it's this huge open kind of parklands area to get to the main center of town, mm. and we're looking through there to find more. And we find some more and we're just like quite engaged. And then out of nowhere, this police siren goes off next to us on the road. And they're like, hey, boys, what are you doing in the bushes there? And I've got this like 100 gram, 100 gram, 200 gram bag of mushrooms in my backpack. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's all over. Like, I'm screwed, you know. (laughs) And, And I had already, I think that. I already had heard about how the police are aware that they exist. Yeah, right. There. And the same with like places like Ringwood in Victoria as well. Like police actually go out into the, the areas that they grow and they watch people to see like looking for weird yeah. hippie guys trying to pick mushrooms. And so I had that in the back of my head and I was like, they know what's going on. I'm screwed. Mm. And they said, what are you doing? And I just remember that we found a library card in the bushes. <laughs> And I was like, oh, we just found we just found this library card. Um, you know, I was fumbling around in my bag and stuff, like kind of acting like a freak. Yeah. Just beg, begging that they don't look through it. And um, I was like, we found this library bag and we just thought maybe there was more stuff. So we were looking through the bushes to see if anyone left stuff. You know, Dude. if like a bag was stolen or something. Yeah. And they go, well, you know that that's stealing if you don't return that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we just found it. And right as they were starting to ask more questions, they get a call to a burglary. Oh. and go. Saved by the bell. I know, and my heart's <laughs> just racing and, like, it's almost all over. Um, and so that is kind of, yeah, that's kind of the pinnacle of the story and um, we continued to look for them for years more. Um, they started to disappear and I think that they actually were spraying, spraying for, like, antifungal right. things to stop these growing. And I, I feel like there had been a rumor out because there, there was already little rumors about it from older generations, like generations. In the 70s, that had, I guess. Yeah. No, not even. No, not even. Oh, like, really? 
from the 90s. It was like this kind of like the kids maybe like eight years older than us had told their younger younger brothers and there was this story about this one kid who aged many and lost his mind forever and he's like in a wheelchair now or something. Oh, fuck. Yeah, like stuff like that. So I'd I'd heard these rumors from older people. And um, but I was the first one to kind of discover it again. So how did so your the, dad like, get the rumor though? This this is where I'm wondering like where it comes in and what teachers heard about it and things like that because a lot of kids ended up hearing about it because I told people and they told people. Yeah. And, um, nobody else really looked for them or found them or knew what they were, but um, I think rumor got out and I feel like maybe a teacher or two might have even heard that rumor, you know, yeah. and maybe, maybe they got the place sprayed. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I would have thought it would be my little brother that dubbed me in, of course, but <laughs> I, I don't know who, who could have told him. Um, but yeah, obviously he thought I was actually a drug dealer for the, since high school. Wow. For the, yeah. For like the half of my life, you know, and he never mentioned it. I just can't, I'm still going to ask him about it because I just, think that that's so ridiculous that your parents would think that of you and, and you not, never know. Yeah, like he might have been like freaking every night like thinking about it, mulling it over. Like, yeah, I know. Drug exactly. <laughs> oh, how funny. Oh, you'll have to tell yeah. me how it goes. Ask your dad, like where did yeah. you hear this? I don't think he said that briefly at the table he can't remember, but I feel like I, I honestly think it was like he spied on me or something. Maybe you he know, just saw he, you like, yeah, re, you know, did you have your computer? Yeah, looking online or yeah, something. Yeah, something that like kind that. of stuff, yeah. Um, but I don't know where he got the idea I'd be a dealer, so. You were like, I was just weirdly obsessed with them and fascinated. Yeah, which, which is hard to explain, you know, to your parents. And I was like, does that really sound like me? And he's like, absolutely, <laughs> that you would see, you would see this uh, chance to, you know, entrepreneurial spirit to make something that come money off something that comes out of the ground. Of course it sounds like you. And I'm like, God damn it, dad. You're I'm like, not joking. I, I didn't do it. He, he almost, I don't know if he even believes that I didn't do it still yeah. after I told him. How yeah. funny. That's really, that's really interesting though. <laughs> I feel like it's easy to explain though. Cause it's, it's like a scientific thing. Like it's, it's really cool that something hallucinogenic grows organically in the wild and mm-hmm. like people use them. Like, I think that's really interesting. I yeah. Read up and, and it was a, tr- it was a pretty treasure hunty kind of experience, yeah. you know, it's years like a on real end life and... video game, you know, you're it's, looking oh, for it the... really was. Yeah. Well, we did end up eating them. So <laughs> we, when we ate, yeah, we ate them once and uh, it was like a video game for like, 12 hours. It felt like days. We went on this Whoa. adventure in the, um, cause all of our friends kind of lived around this area, Altham. And one of our friends in particular had a really, one of these old bluestone kind of houses. Mm. Um, uh, like it was like medieval England, basically cottages. And, um, we met up there and we, we made a tea out of them and we went on this adventure around the town for like yeah, like half a night and it felt like a four-day journey. We didn't see any people the whole night. We didn't see any people. And every everything was turning into like a movie scene. We kept relating it to different movies. It was crazy. Insane. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Well, at least you tried them after all the hunting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ben, you killed it with these stories. They're awesome. Yeah. I'm glad that I could even come up with them. So nah, last minute. 
That's all good. They're rad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so, so much for your time and um, enjoy the rest of tour and then your your well-deserved Christmas break. Thank you. Are yeah, you- it's a lot of a lot of fun talking about these stories too. Yeah, I bet it's like nostalgic too. Yeah, definitely that one. Mm. Yeah. Are you going back to your hometown? Um, we're going back to Melbourne in about a few days. We have Perth and we have... Um, Adelaide left on the tour. We've been probably on t- like kind of on the road for about two months or a month and a half, and Oof. yeah, we'll be we'll be home for a few days around Christmas and yeah, January's off. You'll have to so go back good. to the town and and see if the mushies are still there. Yeah, well, they grow in winter. <laughs> I've oh, never true. seen them. Never seen them again. We've gone back as adults and yeah. had a look just for fun, and never seen them again. It's so weird. gone forever. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Ben. No worries. Have Thanks a good one. The chat. Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Speak soon. All bye. right. Bye.